but I think a lot of people make the mistake of just not looking at certain things because they think it's like, oh, you know, my our love will carry us through. And that's a very nice romantic notion that we get from our movies and our books, but it's not reality. This week, Dr. Karen Sherman weighs in on how you and your spouse can constructively and effectively compromise. Stay tuned. You don't need a special occasion to give your spouse flowers. In fact, it's probably more special to get them flowers just because. If you're still not inspired, how about if we can save you $10 on your flower purchase at bloomnation.com. Use the promo code GETHITCHEDWITHBN10 at bloomnation.com, a marketplace that connects you with your local florist wherever you reside in the country. Again, use the promo code GETHITCHEDWITHBN10 at bloomnation.com to save $10 when you want to surprise your spouse with flowers. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Uh, Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. Karen is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. Karen also has her own radio show called Take 5 to Empower Your Relationship. You can find that each Wednesday on the Sex Talk Radio Network. And today, Karen has joined us, um, uh, you know, Karen joins us every week, basically a permanent <laughs> stay here on the Hitch Podcast, and we are going to talk about compromise. Um, this, yes, we are. Yes. We to agree on that. <laughs> we absolutely agree on this, and... Uh, you know, as everybody knows, we record these ahead of time, but we this will publish, um, and I'm assuming when this publishes, the political climate will not be any less treacherous than it is on the day that we're actually recording this. Um, and that's kind of what brought this into the um, into my mindset of just being able to compromise. Um, and when we start talking about couples, uh, you. All couples will come across this issue in their marriage where no matter how long they discuss or even argue about something, they will not agree on particular topics, subjects, issues. Uh, and these can be big or they can be little things. And so first, Karen, um, is this a big deal or is it common um, that this is, I don't want to say frequent, but is this common among happy couples as well? Well, as you said, you know, that couples are going to disagree. They're two different people. They have different backgrounds. They have different perspectives in, in the way they look at life. So it's common. I, and I don't think it's anything to be concerned about if you disagree with each other. Okay. Now, does the size of the issue surrounding the agreement have any bearing on this topic? Well, I think, yeah. I think that if it's a small thing, then it's I know this sounds kind of silly. If it's small, then it's no biggie. Mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, if it's something that is really um, at the heart of 
an issue for either one of them, then obviously it's going to stir up more emotional energy and then it becomes a bigger deal. Uh, if it's smaller, then they can just say, well, you know, we decide that we're going to disagree. We look at this differently and it's, it's, you know, we can either let it go or compromise or, and, you know, you can get past it much more easily. Okay. And you know, so for instance, like, uh, you know, if we decide, you know, where are we going to eat tonight? And one person says, uh, I want Italian. And the other person says, uh, I want sushi. And, you know, it's that's not a big issue. Yeah. So that's an easily resolvable one. If it's talking about whose family are we going to stay with for the holiday, that can become a much bigger issue. And, you know, that's going to um, deserve a lot more attention. Yeah. I actually know some people who have had to renegotiate some of those bigger issues, such as family holiday stuff. And mm-hmm. shoot, I, I go through this sometimes myself because my wife's family's on the East Coast. Um, my parents recently moved, so this is going to have to be a negotiation that I do as well mm-hmm. uh, because it, we we had it settled, but now everything got shuffled again. Um and, you know, because there are some big issues that where you hope that the couple has discussed them before um, before anything has taken place or before they mm-hmm. get married, such as, mm-hmm. do you want kids? Yes or no? Like, this is something you would hope was discussed. <laughs> yes, hope is, is the operative word there. You'd be surprised when I'm working with a lot of my couples and they come in with disagreements and I say, well, you know, hadn't you looked at this beforehand? And they look at me, you know, like I've got a third head. No, it didn't occur to them that that would be something that might possibly be, you know, a sticking point for them. Um, I think that it's, for many couples, it's unromantic to talk about their differences or where they could get stuck in the future. You think that, you know, oh, you love each other, so it's going to be fine. But really, it would behoove couples to talk about as many of their differences or anticipated differences before they actually um, get married so that they have the proper expectations and uh, resolve as much as they can before they're in that situation. Yeah. Now, I, uh, to be honest, so my wife and I had discussions on, you know, just about everything. We were together nearly a decade before we actually got married, even though we were living together, bought a car to get like all sorts of stuff. But with that said, one of the things I will admit is that I wasn't sure about kids for myself. Mm -hmm. And when we got married, I still wasn't sure how I felt about it. And it, and, but we had those conversations and it wasn't until after we were married and some time had passed that, um, you know, because I think for me, uh, I, always grew up with the idea of you get married, you have a career, you get, have kids, that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, so that was ingrained in me as a child and I grew up in a happy family and all that good stuff. And so I kept waiting for those feelings of, you know, that, that urge to have a family and I kept waiting and kept waiting and it never came, but Mm -hmm. I constantly thought in my head, well, that's what I'm supposed to want. So Mm -hmm. it took me a long time to, you know, be comfortable with that decision of, you know, you, (laughs) it's okay that you just don't want to start a family like that is okay. And so Mm -hmm. it took me a while to come to that. So I can, I guess I'm, I'm bringing this all up because I can understand why couples might face this kind of a question after they're married, because Mm -hmm. I know I did, because it wasn't decided for me. My, now Jess uh, she was pretty decided on it. Like she already knew how she felt about it. 
and but I was the one that wasn't quite sure. So I can understand why somebody would come across a big issue like this after the fact. Yes, you know, obviously things do happen, but again, I think a lot of people, you know, I think in your situation, it really was a matter of that you had a belief system throughout your life. And then all of a sudden you realize that your feelings were not consistent with your belief system, which is fine. But I think a lot of people make the mistake of just not looking at certain things because they think it's like, oh, you know, my, our love will carry us through. Mm -hmm. And that's a very nice romantic notion that we get from our movies and our books, but it's not reality. Yeah. So, um, when a couple is faced with a non-agreeable topic, let's say, what rules or steps should they follow or consider? So this has always been my rule of thumb. Okay. If it's really, really, really important to one and not so much to the other, you go with that person. And of course, the flip, if it's really, really important to the other person and not so important to you, then you give in to the second person. And if it's really, really important to both of you, that's when you have to sit down and try to figure out, okay, you know, obviously we need to come to some kind of a compromise. Okay. Now, is this one of those things where you start doing tit for tat? Like, oh, okay, no. if I give in on this, on this topic, you know, down the line, like I'm giving in on this one. So down the line, you should give in on something else in the future. Or is that just, that's bad policy? Yeah, I, I don't like tit for tat. Um, you know, I, I know where we're going with this is like, you know, so how do we do this? OK, so um, let, let me let me jump to that, because in part it responds to what you just asked me. Okay. Um, I think. What you have to then do is go to, again, as we've said so often in our various podcasts, is what are the underlying feelings? You know, not like, well, I want this and because, you know, this is what I expected. What are the feelings? Why is this important to you? What will it mean if you give it up? You know, um, why have you come to expect this? But you want to get to what the meaning is underneath it. And, um, you know, when you come to understand that, number one, you're getting to connect better to your mate. You're getting to really understand what the significance is to somebody. So if it's, let's say, well, I, I want this because this is just the way my family has always done it. And my parents are going to expect this. And, you know, I don't want to disappoint them. But for the other person, it's, you know, this has real meaning for me because if we don't do this, it's going to feel like I don't matter and it's going to feel like my feelings, you know, haven't counted and I've been waiting on this. And, you know, there were these other times where, you know, I put my my feelings aside, but blah, 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 blah. Then, you know, you might have to say, okay, you know, I, I really hear that this is important to you. And, Really, your feelings matter more than, you know, my parents. Not that my parents don't count, but you're my mate and mm -hmm. you are more important. And so I will have to diplomatically explain things to my parents. Mm -hmm. But I think that you don't want to do a thing of, okay, well, I'll do this for you, but then, you know, you've got to do so-and-so for me. But I think if you get to what are the reasons, the emotional reasons, the the message underneath, you know, uh, why not doing or doing something, um, you know, is, is happening, that that is what's going to help you 
um, understand the need for the compromise. I, that, I think that's a great explanation of it because that right there demonstrates why the tit for tat is not such a good idea. Because in the scenario that you just laid out, for one person, they were doing it to appease the expectations of others, while the other spouse, this was deeply rooted in who they were and their value mm-hmm. system. And so to ask them to give up something in the future, um, it doesn't it doesn't get to the core motivation of uh, why they felt that way in the first place. Right, right. Um, and, and the way you described it as well is kind of how... I went through that process myself when I mentioned earlier about um, the decision not to have children. Um, it was why why do I feel this way? Why do I feel like a family is or is not important to me? And I had to work through that that you know expectations of others. How do I feel about it? Why mm-hmm. would I want to do something like this or why not do something like this? How will this affect me? this, you know, and so on and so forth. And, you know, understand that, you know, I will have to have conversations down the road with family members um, about the decisions that I'm making. Right. Um, And, but that was, that was part of that process. So you, you described it um, very eloquently there, I thought. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) Not that you don't typically, I'm just saying. No, no, good. Okay. It it was very precise. Good example. Okay, good. Um, okay, so now if the conversation uh, gets off track, and this can happen frequently when you're trying to compromise, and you begin to spin in circles and neither is willing to compromise, uh, what should you do to kind of settle things down and, and get back on track to make a compromise happen? Okay, so my guess is going to be that if it's getting off track, it may be because they're they're both getting too hot-headed. There's too much emotion going on. And it will be better, even though, now this may sound like I'm contradicting myself, but I'm really not. Um, I want you to speak about your emotions, but notice I said about your emotions, but not be emotional. So if it's getting off track, it may be that you've now slipped into being emotional and you can't have a productive conversation. It's almost like when you've had an argument and you have to wait for the dust to settle before you go back and you process or look at why you had the argument, you know, where there was a miscommunication or where there was a misunderstanding. And you don't do that until both of you have calmed down because otherwise you're not going to be able to look at things clearly. So if you see that things are going off track, it may be that you've both gotten into this emotional state. And then at that point, just say, you know, it seems as if there's just too much emotional energy going on. Why don't we just sort of take a break and come back and revisit this when we both are a little bit clearer and we can, you know, present what our emotions are feeling like, but not be emotional. Okay. And what about, because I think a lot of times, and this is just on the top of my head when I think about how like politics is handled, a lot of times when somebody disagrees, um, we can think that the other side is stupid. Like, how can you not see it my way? Um, how can you prevent yourself from judging your spouse for having an opposing view, particularly if it's a big issue? Well, I think that there's got to be a very broad concept just being in the relationship of respecting your your mate 
which is basically not judging them, being open to understanding that they're a different person. They're going to see the world differently than you. And, you know, being accepting of their differences so that if they do look at things um, in a way that varies from your perspective, you don't put it down. Um, Now, again, let's be realistic. You know, if you're in the middle of something that's emotional or upsetting or you don't feel you're getting your way, our emotions do get caught up and we do get, you know, reactive. So if you notice that your partner is saying in some way, either through gesturing or tone or facial expressions, judgmental, then I think it behooves you to say, not in a nasty way, because then you're just sort of um, increasing this kind of negative behavior, but say something like, it feels to me like my feelings are being disrespected or my perspective isn't really being, you're not, you're not being as open as you could be to my perspective. So maybe we need to take a break before we continue talking about this. And I think you're right. The tone of how that comes across is going to matter a great deal. Sure. Because otherwise, if I say to you, well, now you're just being disrespectful and I say it that way. Now I've been disrespectful and now it just baits the other person. And now you're having, you know, an argument. Mm -hmm. Is there ever a situation where you kind of do that, write a number on a piece of paper and slide it across the table because it can't be argued with when it's in a concrete manner that way where you, you write out your negotiations Well, I think you write out your negotiations once you've come to an agreement that you're compromising. I think after you've come to a compromise, excuse me, once you've come to an agreement, then you, you know, work out the details of that compromise. Okay. Okay. Uh, And so then what should couples keep in mind once they have reached that agreement um, and the issue has been settled? Well, so, you know, you say, okay, So let's agree that this is what we're going to do and then be specific about it. Okay, so um, for this holiday, we're going to spend it with your parents and, you know, you work out the the specifics of it. Now it's like a business agreement. Now, this may be the point at which, Steve, because it's a compromise that you might say, okay, but the understanding is that because we're doing Christmas with your parents, that, you know, next Thanksgiving is with my parents. Mm -hmm. So this is not a tit for tat, but it's a compromise because there's a bigger issue here. There's, you know, it it involves extended family. It involves, you know, other people's feelings and everything. So it's not so much a tit for tat, but it's, you know, taking into consideration many different pieces. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it's finding balance too. That's correct. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, because I think you're right. It would be easy to say, well, that sounds like tit for tat, but really, um, and and this is the complicated thing about the intricacies of marriage relationships is it's not just the nucleus of your own individual family, but your decisions have um, an effect on the extended family as well. Absolutely. And if you have, so your parents and then you, you're also your siblings. And if you have children, they have cousins um, and all these things have to be weighed um, 
And so it's not as simple as, well, I don't like going there. <laughs> Sometimes right. your feelings will be outweighed by the needs and the betterment of other people involved in that equation. Yes. And I know that this is a little off topic, but because you said that, I do feel that I have to mention that when you marry someone, you are not just marrying that person, you are marrying the family. And so you do have to be aware of the fact that um, the behavior that you do with your mate has consequences for the bigger family. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to uh, add on to that, if I may. While you are marrying the family, um, your obligation is still yes. to your nucleus. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because I think a lot of people lose sight of that as well. That's correct. That's correct. I have... was not mean. Yes, I was not meaning to say that you are marrying the family, and so now I'm, your obligation is to everybody else. I'm just saying, don't think <clears throat> that there are not some consequential um, behaviors or situations that you have to consider the extended family but yes your primary concern is your mate yeah no i i i you you that was not implied by what you had previously said i just wanted to drive home that point um and this is by the way a topic that we have discussed um in previous podcasts so if um you know dealing with outside family is an issue in your marriage go back to our podcast page and you could find other conversations on that topic um as well as articles of course um we we have covered this issue in the past on various degrees and um slight angles of it so be sure to check that out um before we wrap this up on uh how to properly compromise Karen or at least things to consider while you're doing your negotiation process. Uh, Do you have anything you wanted to add or any point you wanted to drive home? The only thing I would say is that when you've reached the compromise, I think you should appreciate each other and, Mm. you know, let each other know that you did a good job. Um, Because, you know, it's hard to do this stuff. And you should be uh, respectful and understanding that marriage uh, or any good relationship is a give and take. So um, be cognizant of that and appreciate your mate. So depending on the issue, I mean, it's it's kind of like when you go and you have like a great business deal and you go out and have a celebratory dinner or something afterward, um, or you clink the glasses, right? Like there there is that acknowledgement of a job well done. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you're right. And a lot of times in marriage, we do some really great things, some 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 tough things, and we don't always acknowledge and celebrate right. and appreciate the those tiny accomplishments. Right. And I think that if we would take a moment to appreciate something like this or any of the other little positive things in our relationship, it would help us feel better about our relationships. Yeah. I'm actually going to use this opportunity to make a shameless plug really quick. Um, and, and this wasn't pre-planned or whatever, but uh, we have, Hitched has a uh, wine club, and the idea of the wine club when we first conceived of it was to bake in um, a, an excuse for you and your spouse to sit down and reconnect uh, and to celebrate your marriage together. And, you know, it, it, people can get busy during the weeks and months and years, but 
we thought having a couple bottles of wine delivered to your home or business um, once a month would provide that little bump in the butt uh, to to recognize that, oh, yeah, I, my spouse and I can have a good time. We can mm-hmm. enjoy a nice dinner together or we can just, as we were just discussing, you know, you will have a celebratory bottle of wine uh, for you to raise a glass when you come to these um, nice agreements down the road. So, um, you know, join the wine club, don't join the wine club. I just want to point out that find a way to celebrate your marriage on a regular basis, because whether you recognize it or not, you are doing really great things all the time. And it's important to recognize those things because that is the fuel that will carry you going forward. Absolutely. All right. This was, uh, this was an excellent uh, issue here, Karen. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Steve. I want to remind everybody that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. Karen uh, has her own show called Take 5 to Empower Your Relationship, and in just five minutes, Karen will present a relationship issue, tell you what's behind it and how to resolve it, and you can find that on the Sex Talk Radio Network, and that airs every Wednesday. You can get all this information at Karen's website, drkarensherman.com. We have links to that on our website, hitchedmag.com, as well as all the past podcasts. There is a podcast link on our homepage. Uh, and you can also find the articles that Karen has written way back in the day um, before we were stealing all of her time for the podcast. <laughs> um, and, of course, we have um, thousands of articles from other experts across many fields from finance and, and sexual health and uh, in-laws. I mean, we run the gamut. So if you have questions, we have answers. And uh, we are happy to be a, a marriage resource for you to help strengthen and empower and improve and inspire your relationship. So hopefully that's what we do. And thank you for tuning in. And one last time, thank you so much, Karen. Thank you, Steve. All right. That's going to do it, everybody. Take care. We're on top of the world tonight.